Welcome back into the Fortress of Comic 2 podcast. My name is Tyler. I'm Mary. I'm Aaron. I'm Kylie. This is a creator-focused episode. It's a show we do once a month where we pull a random comic creator's name out of a bucket. We talk about their career and books they've worked on. And at the end of this episode, we'll pull out the uh, next comic creator's name for next month's creator-focused episode. Mary, Yeah. do you have any idea, any clue or indication of who we're talking about this week? John Romita Jr. Oh! Mm-hmm. Yay. Which is pretty crazy because we just did John Romita Sr. like two months ago. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, I think we did him, then we did Bendis, Bendis and then, yeah. yeah. And then him again, but not him at the same time. <laughs> so, Kylie, I know, so John Romita Jr. is kind of a, I'm trying to, what, what? A lot of people don't like his art. So should we say polarizing? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I'd say polarizing that. Polarizing figure, artist in, in comic books. You're... I don't really have an issue. I don't have issues with him at all. Like when people start bitching about John Romita, I'll just bring up um, Liefeld. Liefeld. Like fuck you, go look at this guy. Come on, (laughs) Liefeld's come on. Um, Um, And you can tell. I mean, looking at Aaron, Aaron, what Aaron read. Like I mean, he still has his. He said he still has his style, but like compared to this, it's like it's. it's, you, it's you changed, acknowledge but that you there's still... bad J.R. Jr. artwork out there, though, right? Like he, they, they, he's everybody done some stuff. I mean, yeah, everybody has bad. that. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's stylistic. All, I mean, it really is having yeah, to do I, with style. He, he's definitely one of those guys where you're like, that's that's this guy, yeah. that's this right. guy. You know? And he's mostly doing covers, I think, nowadays, right? For the most part, I probably. I haven't seen not him too do sure. interiors for much of anything lately. Well, think. did you? Um, I don't know with bat with the. Uh, Batman, like, you know, City of Bane and that mm. shit. Was he just doing covers for that, or was he doing I interiors? So. Okay. He did some interiors for uh, Detective 1000, I think. Okay. For, like, a short story, but uh, other than that, I don't think he's... has gone the way of Alex Ross at this point, just I mean, doing some it's covers. probably way better money and less oh, yeah. work. So I would imagine so. That's... Every, I think every comic book artist's goal is to get to a point where you can just do covers. You got covers. the cush job. Just do one or two covers a month and probably still make more money than you were making oh, yeah. drawing a book every month. So That's what it seems like David Mack's doing at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what uh, all the smart ones do. Hmm? All the smarties. All the... I mean, look, J. Scott Campbell's made a... Oh, ma- made a career out of covers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, pretty crazy. I remember so. when he did the Spider-Man covers but originally they announced him as the interior artist oh yeah um and there was a there was a magazine that uh, a lot of people might remember called wizard Mm -hmm. um and they would do like if you can find the fake thing for the april fool's day issue Mm -hmm. like if you find the fake article you get a prize and i remember reading that in wizard that like Straczynski's writing this and Campbell's doing all the artwork. I'm like, this sounds amazing, but this doesn't sound real at all. Right. <laughs> and it was, but by the time things came down, it was like, it this isn't happening. He's right. doing the covers, but right. he's not doing interiors. I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. That was one of the things that uh, Todd McFarlane kind of impressed me on with the Spawn 300 issue, that big giant anniversary issue they did, because that was like, he said that was the rule that he put out to everybody, because when they started getting close to it, he's like, I had Tons of artists reaching out to me wanting to do covers and stuff for it. And J. Scott Campbell was one of them. And, but he said um, I, he wanted this to be this monster 80, 90 page issue. He's like, anyone that does cover 
has to do something inside the book. That was the that was the rule. So even J. Scott Campbell, I think, has like a you know it's like a five page nice. little short story in there. But like at least he he got him to draw. Yeah. So it's like if if you want a cover for this book, you have to draw something to be in it nice. as well. Which I was like, that's kind of cool. Not a lot of people could probably uh, get away with that, but yeah. You know. So John Romita Jr. or should I say John Salvatore Romita Jr. Was born on August seventeenth, nineteen fifty six. He was a lot older than Damn. I thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. He's old. Uh, he's old. My mom is nineteen fifty one and she's seventy. So if he was born in nineteen fifty six, that means he he's like really sixty five. No, he's yeah, he's got to be you know near seventy. It's mm. crazy. Um, Notable works include Amazing Spider-Man, Kick-Ass, Man Without Fear, Superman, Uncanny X-Men, along with a ton of other things. Um, awards, only two. He won an Inkpot in 1994. Really? He has yep. a long career. Uh, Inkpot in 94. And then uh, in 2002, he and JMS won a Eisner for Spider-Man Coming Home, hmm. which was issues 30 through 35, I think, oh, Okay. of the JMS Spider-Man. Uh, John Romita Jr. is the son of Virginia... And uh, Virginia and comic book artist John Romita Sr., one of the signature Spider-Man artists since the 1960s. Uh, he studied advertising art and design at Farmingdale State College in East Farmingdale, New York, uh, graduating in 1976. Romita Jr.'s first contribution to Marvel Comics was at the age of 13 with the creation of The Prowler. That's all Wikipedia really? says. Really? What, 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 uh, I should have looked into this more. What does he have to do with the creation of The Prowler at 13 years old? Maybe he gave his dad the idea or Maybe. somebody the idea there of, hey, this would be a cool mm-hmm. cool character. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number <coughs> 78, 1969. Romita Jr. began his career at Marvel UK doing sketches for covers of reprints. His American debut was with a six-page story titled Chaos at the Coffee Bean in the Amazing Spider-Man annual number 11. Interesting. I want to track that down. Uh, Romita's early popularity began with his run on Iron Man with writer David Michelinie and artist Bob Layton, which began in 1978. The creative team introduced several supporting characters, including Tony Stark's bodyguard girlfriend Bethany Cabe and rival industry uh, industrialist Justin Hammer, who's nice. fucking awesome. Um, in the early 1980s, he had his first regular run on the series Amazing Spider-Man and also was the artist for the launch of the Dazzler series. He and writer Denny O'Neill introduced Madam Web, in Amazing Spider-Man number 210, which was in November of 1980, and Hydro Man in issue 212, which is January 1981. In 1982, Romita Jr. drew Marvel Superhero Contest of Champions, the first limited series published by Marvel Comics. Working with Roger Stern on The Amazing Spider-Man, he co-created the character Hobgoblin from 1983-1986. He had a run on The Uncanny X-Men with Dan Green and author Chris Claremont and co-created Forge... Uh, Ramita has downplayed the significance of his run, saying that a few of the characters introduced during this time were co-created by him, and that uh, his style had no uh, discernible influence on succeeding X-Men artists. His relationship with Claremont was rather cool at the time, and Claremont did not like his work as much as the artists he had previously worked with. Hmm. But I mean... Claremont, you're talking about John Byrne, and yeah, I was like, well, I mean, you're kind of in tough competition there, buddy. And Claremont's kind of a douche, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that might help. <laughs> uh, he would return for a second run on Uncanny X-Men in 1993, which he said he liked better because of getting to work with writer Scott Lobdell. Yeah. So, 
Uh, from 1988 to 1990, Romita had an extended stint on Daredevil with writer Anne Nascenti and inker Al Williamson, which included the creation of long-running Daredevil nemesis Typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Romita himself, his stint on Daredevil was most significant for being both the first time he was allowed to do full pencils instead of just breakdowns, and the first time he had a working relationship with the writer on a series. He later remarked that, I finally felt like I was part of the creation process for the first time while I was on Daredevil. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, you kind of had to, especially back then, I mean, it's probably true, I'm sure, nowadays in comics as well, but you kind of had to pay your dues, right? You kind of had to, a lot of guys were which is, which is, waiting in the wings for a long time yeah. before somebody finally gives them an opportunity. Which, listening to this, being his dad who he was, it's kind of... Shocking that shocking he wasn't that it's like, handed. okay, you know what? You're going to go start at Marvel UK. Right. You know, let's go do that right. stuff. It's, yeah, Surprised it's, that it's, he wasn't served up on a silver yeah. platter or something. Well, yeah. and it's also nice to see like the creative process. And you could see where if you're going in and drawing for you know, the big wigs, you, you don't feel like you necessarily have a say, right? They're very... Big wiggy. Well, they would, it'd be more kind of your ideas are stunted in a way. Because you have to draw what they do, and giving mm-hmm. up suggestions may not be the appropriate thing, right? Right. Um, Stanley interviewed Ramita and his father in episode eight of the 1991-1992 documentary series, The Comic Book Greats. Mm-hmm. If anybody has not watched some of these, I think most of them are on YouTube at this point. Oh, okay. They're very fun. They're very old school. But um, there's a hilarious episode where... Um, Stanley is with Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane. This is like 1990, 1991, right before the the image boom thing. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there's a hilarious part where they do this drawing exercise where Liefeld and McFarlane have to create a character like on the spot, basically. And so they're like drawing this character together. It's on like a big giant thing, whatever. And Stanley is like standing behind them. He's just like trolling them. The whole time because they give him like these big shoulder course, pads yeah. and the giant fucking gun <laughs> and like a whole thing, whatever. <laughs> like the whole time he's like, what is he going to, how is he going to move in those boots? And like, what, like, like, well, no, it just looks fucking awesome. Like, okay, but like, how heavy is that gun? Like, how is he going to lift? Like, it's hilarious. Like, he's just like breaking these guys down. It's so funny to look back on that and be like, yeah, yeah, none of it made any goddamn yeah. sense. <laughs> Like, no, Stan, like, the, the way they look at it is like, you're so out of the time, Stan. Kid, the kids will love this. Which, like, they were probably true, but, like, it, ha- it has The logistics aged. of it yeah, all, like, like it's, it's very dated. Very dated. So, if anyone hasn't seen the comic book greats, I don't know how many episodes they did. It was I only from 91 to 92. That, Interesting. That they're very fun. It's just Stan Lee and another comic book creator nice. talking about, okay. you know, their careers and stuff. And because it's Stanley, it's very kind of self-grandizing as well. Of course, it's yeah. Like, he's kind of like, we're here to talk about you, but let's also talk about me. <laughs> um, he worked on a host of Marvel titles during the 1990s, including a return to Iron Man for the second Armor Wars story arc written by John Byrne, uh, the Punisher Warzone, and the Cable miniseries, <laughs> as well as Punisher-Batman crossover. Uh, Klaus Johnson was a frequent inker. Ramita collaborated with Frank Miller on a Daredevil origin story entitled Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, which is probably my favorite thing that uh, Ramita Jr.'s done, which mm-hmm. I think we're, you guys are going to talk about that later. That, that's one I've read that I, I really enjoy. I think his artwork is phenomenal on that. 
1993, a revisiting of the character's origin with Williamson again on ink. Ramita had to draw new transitional pages as the story changed formats from a 64-page graphic novel to a 144-page graphic novel to a five-issue limited series. Uh, Dan Jurgens and Ramita Jr. relaunched the Thor series in July 1998. It's a pretty legendary run. Mm. While a January 1999 reboot of Peter Parker Spider-Man was handled by Howard Mackey and Ramita Jr. <laughs> What's and the Thor one about? A guy that has a hammer. Yeah, he's kind of like a god of thunder. I think. But why do people like it? <laughs> I don't know. Thor's never been my thing. It's it's all it's always been about the writer. Right. So like the I'm, people that love that read Thor though love fucking like you know what I mean like the, 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 the people Simonson that run is a yeah. huge thing that they're always Shizinski, talking about. Dan yeah. Jurgens and oh, all Jason, Jason was a really good one. Did it and for Jason fucking was, a decade. It was good. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a it's a different kind of reader, I think, that reads Thor regularly. But why did they like that one? What know. happened in that one? He hit people with his hammer. Oh, yeah, he probably, he probably <laughs> swung it around a couple and times. he spoke old English. Yeah, lots. Of That's it. kind of what's made Thor kind of a. There's been like. That's a why I for personally me. don't like. Yeah, not that I don't like Thor, but like I can't read or I just don't Thou care. Hast hither nither. Yeah, right. like I can't even get like over with that. the Jason Aaron stuff. I read the God Killer stuff, which was which was cool. It was awesome, but like, yeah, there's there's a barrier there yeah. for me of, of yeah, the Shakespearean. That's um, Z- reading Zatanna when the, her shit's written backwards when right. she's doing magic is kind of annoying me. Uh, the demon. See, I always find that kind of fun it. though it's because like I like gibberish. to try to read it backwards and know what she's saying. The demon, how he always rhymes, rhymes always kind of like. Eh, it's, okay. it's I like fun him for like a small page doses. or two, but yeah. if he's like a main character in a exactly. story, yeah. like enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fucking enough. <laughs> What's his name? Who? The, the yellow demon guy. Etrigan. Etrigan. There you go. Jason Blood. Jason Blood. Jason Blood. Um, in 2001, Ramita returned to Spider-Man for a collaboration with Michael J. With Michael J. Fox. With writer J. Michael Straczynski. I mean, Michael J. Fox and Ramita Jr. I'd buy that. <laughs> uh, beginning with the Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two, Number Thirty, uh, in June 2001, the creative team produced a story for issue number 36 that served as a memorial to the victims of the September 11th attacks. Uh, he drew Marvel's Wolverine with author Mark Miller mm-hmm. in 2004. Ramita's creator-owned project, The Gray Area, was published by Image. I don't think I read that He subsequently that one. worked on the Marvel series Black Panther, The Century, and Ultimate Vision. Oh, The Century, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, that was a good one. A backup feature in the Ultimate Marvel line written by Mark Miller. The Century was really good. Who's The Century? He's like Dick Superman. He's the oldest superhero from the Marvel Universe. Like, they're Superman, but... Oh, wow. But they had to erase his mind right. because oh, he's also the biggest villain, too. Right. Because oh, the, the void is inside of him, oh. and he's evil. And Everyone's he... kind of done their take on Dick Superman at this point, but the Sentry is, like, one of the earlier versions of, like... A Dick Superman. Like, we just saw that with, like, Invincible. Obviously, the show blew up with Omni-Man and stuff. Like, everyone's kind of done, like, evil Superman, but... I mean, Sentry's not necessarily evil. No, he yeah, has the evil right. side of him that, right. that is actually a whole entity in, in, and, in of and of itself. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, in 2006, Ramita collaborated with writer Neil Gaiman on a seven-issue miniseries, Reinterpretation of Jack Kirby's characters, The Eternals, which mm-hmm. uh, okay. trailer just dropped this week, so that's pretty right. I saw the Eternals. The, it was the final um, trailer. Oh, yeah, the not final. A, They're threatening. Yeah, this is the, this final. Is the final one, you bastards. Watch <laughs> it. 
Uh, I still haven't seen any of them. I I what saw. I, I've seen it's, a couple of them. It's a very. So when they mutants? pump out trailers like they do, when I see this, it's the like final the Guardians? one because like I'll watch the first one and uh, I'll get excited, and then when another one no, comes out, I'll watch that. Eternal. And it's a lot of the same what? stuff, but there's right. some new stuff peppered like one in. One or two shots. So yeah. when I hear like, oh, they've just released a new trailer, I'm like, at this point, I'm done. Right. Just give me the movie. Same and thing. Let's, I've let's... almost gotten to the point where like. I don't actively avoid trailers or anything. I'm not like one of those, but I don't. When it, when I'm like, oh, it's just trailers. I don't like need to go chase it. Like, yeah. I haven't seen a Shang Chi trailer either. I think I've seen like a, a quick, a few quick like TV promos where it's like those little 10 second ones they oh, do. Okay. But like, I'm going into Shang Chi pretty blind actually. And then Eternals, I've seen, I've seen nothing. I've I think seen, the you, only Shang Chi things that I've seen is like the, the no, is that oh, a thing? The yeah, YouTube yeah, trailers like that I skip. Yeah. That's oh wait, no, I think they showed a Shang Chi trailer before we saw Black Widow. Oh maybe. Oh, I so, think they did. Yeah. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so I, yep. that, but again, I probably couldn't tell you most of what was in it. Okay. But okay, so I wasn't paying attention apparently apparently to that because I didn't know that it was the guy from uh, Kim's Convenience, and I love that show. I didn't know there was a show called Kim's Convenience. Yes. Oh, you didn't yeah. know Kim's. Uh, that's a pretty big show. Um, I know Kim it's Possible. It's really funny. That's not Is the it the spinoff of Kim Possible? I feel like you nope, guys would probably like Kim's Convenience. You <laughs> should watch it. I've also heard... What's the one Brandy likes? Superstore? I don't know I that. don't know. Bermita worked with Greg Pak on the five-issue central miniseries of Marvel's 2007 crossover storyline, World War Hulk. Mm-hmm. In 2008, Bermita mm-hmm. again yeah, returned true. to The Amazing Spider-Man. He also collaborated once more with Miller for a creator-owned series called Kick-Ass. Uh, published by Marvel's Icon imprint, this was later adapted into into the 2010 film Kick Ass. Yep. Ramita, one of the producers, seen. directed an animated flashback sequence in the film. That oh, I didn't know. Interesting. I know he was cool. co-creator, but uh, so that's cool. Uh, they, they let him like direct. A Damn it! I forgot about World War Hulk. I would have read that. Yeah, that that's, was. That's a, is that's that the one good. with Red Hulk? No. no. World War Hulk. They did another World War Hulk. World War Hulk is like where this like. A, what was it? The Illuminati when they had that yeah, whole thing? They, had they, they banished fucking, him. Yeah, they shipped Hulk right off the fucking planet. Like, we're, it's like Tony Stark and Doctor Strange oh, and a bunch and of Professor or, or X and too, Namor yeah. and Richard. Yeah. yeah, and they send fucking Hulk into outer space. They decide he's too much of a liability to have on Earth, and they right. they. It's kind of what they do at the end of Age of Ultron, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but they send him isn't off. Isn't that what Ragnarok? Like he was on that planet, kind of, planet, yeah. and they yeah. were like, yeah, that's World definitely War Hulk. Hulk. Yeah, that's... what they were kind of paying homage to. Yeah, so they had they had a story called Planet. Planet Hulk, which I felt everyone talks about a lot. It was right. fine. It, I th- felt it went on a little which, too uh, long. Gary Frank, I think, did some for Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, I too. Think right? so. I think he drew some. And of then that, World yeah. War Hulk was basically him coming back to Earth to because he fell you. in love on this planet, had a wife and a kid, and then there was something about the spaceship that like just destroyed the planet, basically. Killed everybody. Oh. So now he's like, because he was at peace, and now he's like, you know what? I'm going back to Earth. I'm going to fuck these I'm guys up. I'm angry again. And like the the opening was scene, I don't, the I don't want to get off. Was he the Hulk when he fell in love, or was oh, he? Oh yeah, it was. It okay. was. He was the Hulk the whole time. Okay. But the opening sequence of World War Hulk is him landing on the moon, and it's the, um, I want to say the Eternals, but it's not. It's the uh, Inhumans. Yes. Didn't they do an animated movie of World War Hulk? Was it pretty bad? Yeah. It was okay. Okay. Oh, well, who are but Black Bolt comes out to scream at him because Black Bolt can't. You know, his voice will destroy things. And he literally just screams at the Hulk. And you see, like, his feet are planted in the Mm. ground, and he just slides back a little bit. And then you're like, oh. Because Black Bolt was one of the Illuminati. He's like, this guy's going down. And he just went. (laughs) This is a... a, That was a good one. Is this 
before Civil War or after Civil War? It was after. I think it was after. after. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Is after. But that, that, because Hulk wasn't there for Civil War because he was in space, right? Yeah. It's all coming back. Yeah. It's all connected. This is like right when I was getting into comics. I'm trying to like the timeline. I can't remember this. Is okay. It's my early days. So what? 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 What else has he done? Um, on lot. April 9th, 2011, Ramita was one of 62 comic creators who appeared at the IGN stage at the Kapow convention would in London. Would have been a lot cooler if it was 69. It would have mm-hmm. been. They couldn't find they seven more opt- creators. Yeah, they lost an opportunity there. <laughs> Uh, to set two Guinness World Records, the fastest production of a comic book and most contributors to a comic book, with Guinness officials on hand to monitor their progress. Uh, writer Mark Miller began work at 9 a.m. scripting a 20-page black-and-white comic book of his character Superior, while Ramita and the other artists appearing on stage throughout the day to work on the pencils, inks, lettering, each drawing a panel. Uh, the book was completed in 11 hours, 19 minutes, and 38 seconds, and was published through Icon on November 23rd, 2011, with all royalties being donated to the York Hill Children's Foundation. That's kind of cool. I feel I would have this, but it right? doesn't yeah, sound familiar to me. <laughs> I don't even think I remember hearing about this. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm like, no, but I was getting the Superior, and it, like, I was like, oh, did they not publish you this? Probably got this. Yeah, somewhere. when you said they published yeah. it, I'm like, I've got to have it somewhere. I don't just don't remember this. Uh, May 4th, 2012, Ramita set out to break his own record for continuous cartooning to support the charity uh, Candlelighters Childhood Cancer Foundation of Nevada. He attempted to continuously sketch characters and sign comics for 50 hours straight. Lord. It doesn't say if he did it or not. It just says he set out to <laughs> he do it. set out to do it. <laughs> Ten hours in, he's like, fuck this. I'm assuming that means the man's like 70 years old. He's probably like, I need a fucking nap. Um, in 2014, Ramita Jr. became the penciler of the DC Comics flagship titled Superman, starting with issue number 32 in collaboration with writer Jeff Johns. This was when DC hit the panic button on Superman because the New 52 Superman was so bad. Mm. They're like, we have got to... In, what's what's our in case of emergency break glass? Oh my god! Put who, Jeff Johns on Superman. Who did that? Who originally started out when that that was that George was it? George Perez. Perez. George it Perez. was. I was excited, and it was bad. It was bad it's because really bad. you were reading the same book like twice, basically, because right. you got the panels of what he was thinking, mm-hmm. and then you had him saying the stuff, and it was right. exactly what he was thinking. I'm like, this is really bad. And it, yeah, was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Uh, a lot of people aren't as big a fans of Morrison's action comics. I, I I like that compared I, yeah. to Superman. Oh yeah, I, I, actually I, th- I think Morrison's that. run on action comics has some really high moments for me personally, actually. But um, yeah, so that that was DC's like, oh shit, let's see if we can try to save Superman. Put Jeff Johns on Superman and get Ramita Jr. to draw it. It didn't work. Hmm. <laughs> Needless to say. Um, Ramita Jr.'s Superman pencils had been inked by Klaus Janssen. In 2016, Ramita Jr. and writer Scott Snyder collaborated on All-Star Batman. I remember this was at the launch of DC Rebirth. I did not read this. Oh, All-Star. No. I think it only went like nine issues or something. Let's see if it, I have it in here. Um, no, it doesn't say. Hmm. But I remember it, it did not last long. I remember that I think they got like maybe eight or nine issues. I remember that first issue came out hot and then it... Because it was like, okay, Snyder, Snyder's still on Batman. Because yeah. like, when they ended the New 52 and they were like, okay, Tom King's going to take over Batman. Like, but don't worry. We still got a Scott Snyder Batman book coming out for you guys. And I was like, all right, okay. And uh, Ramita Jr. and writer Dan Abnett created the Silencer series as part of DC's Dark Metal line. In addition, Ramita is working with Frank Miller on a Superman year one. Uh, and so this is oh, obviously yeah. old. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Did you read that? No, because uh, because I, I think we even had a conversation with this when you're like, you're gonna buy Superman, uh, Superman's Year One. I'm like. Frank, Frank Miller's not drawing it, is he? You're like, no. I was like, oh, thank God. You're like, it's fucking Romita Jr. I'm like, oh, God, like, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, in 2020, Romita drew Kelly Sue DeConnick's story uh, four for Detective Comics 127th issue. Okay, so it wasn't Detective 1000. It was, it the, was the 1027, yeah, which was the... The other big giant. It was this basically their way to cash in twice. Of course. Cash in? Yeah. Is that the one Kevin Smith? Why? Why would they cash in on ten twenty seven? What is significant about ten twenty seven? Because Detective Comics twenty seven was the first appearance of Batman. Batman. Oh, like like yeah, like Batman wasn't in Detective Comics number one. So when they did one thousand, exactly. So one thousand is a huge number. I get it. But when you know one thousand twenty seven came around, oh shit, let's put another ten dollar issue out. Exactly. Exactly. Like. Versus like Superman on the cover of Action Comics number yeah. one. So when you get to Action Comics one thousand, it feels a little more like it meant something. Yeah. But uh, that's the history of John Romita. He's done a lot of shit, you guys. Yeah, he has. He's done quite a bit. Yeah. I'm curious to hear about some books. A lot of stuff. Aaron, in tell me about a book. I'm uh, disappointed that no one uh, read a book. You're the responsible lady. I'm responsible. I read Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I read. Uh, Daredevil, The Man Without Fear. Love um, this book. It is really good in his work. I've never had a problem with yeah, his I've... artwork at all. I okay. think... Uh, I, I I ponder if, though, my... Um, Drink? Uh, I ponder. Ah, son of a biscuit. <sighs> I ponder. Uh, when I... Uh, oh, we're really going to keep... I can keep she going. has to admit. Oh, I haven't yet. Uh, when I started out oh, comics, I was reading so much of indie. Uh, I, I was, I don't know, you, you, I would buy books based on the cover, right? Like, right. I'm one of those people I would spend and dig in deep everywhere. I've seen every art style that you can imagine. So to me, it's like, if the art can portray the story, there's some people have really great art and the story sucks. There's some the story's great and the art sucks, but I think if you can get the art and the story, like Frank Miller, his style works really well with this artist, right? Like he he's a gritty writer, and I think the artwork. This is like pre uh, Frank Miller go off the deep end, like like Frank Miller's like your crazy Uncle Frank nowadays when he puts mm. out a comic book. I'm like guys, let it go. <laughs> um, but it's. It's really just a nice quinta. Uh, I don't know. It's just a nice quintessential story about superhero and how he builds, right? Mm-hmm. Everything about it. This is where you know, if you think about Frank Miller and Dark Knight and all of these different storylines, I think he like found the sweet spot with this, where he was able to tell a story that was heartfelt and sweet. But he was able to have the evil character slash crazy characters to kind of go a little farther with, right? Because mm-hmm. you can see, like, his father... It's very tragic, really. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. no. Um, it's, you know, here's this kid who, single parent, is a dad, who's an enforcer for the mom, can't find a way out. And you got the kid who's bullied at school and, you know, wants something bigger. 
And then, you know. Gets blinded. He gets blinded, but he was blinded with radioactive, like, juice. And it just goes right into his eyes and ruins it. Juicy. And so now there is the drop of the nun. And so the nun you learn is his mom, Mm -hmm. Mary. I really like comic book stuff that, like, has fake science that just sounds believable enough. You know, like, like obviously it's fake to be like, you know, his other senses heighten to, you know, handicap the loss of his eyes, whatever, like to that degree. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just believable enough to where it doesn't sound like bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really like stuff like that. It feels thought through. Mm-hmm. Versus like, like he, he drank this chemical and now he can a, lift a fucking car. Exactly. Like, you know like I mean? he, he doesn't have superpowers, but he has super senses. Basically, right? You know he's he's still. And it's a man. like it's like somewhat based in reality yeah. because they say people that have lost their sight or hearing, whatever, the other senses do compensate, not to the fucking level that this yeah. is. But I just I don't I like things that feel like they're thought through, and Daredevil's whole stick is like that. I really like this book because it is a very straightforward yet in-depth story, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so here you have the first one is the story of him and then his revenge, right? Because the dad is brutally murdered. And then again, you come into him of course taking the revenge and then accidentally killing someone who he didn't mean to it a young woman pushed out the window and it now changes him right and he starts right. uh the idea of emotions can't go out it's kind of his he, version of the with great power comes great responsibility because exactly. he kind of realizes that you can't be reckless with this power that you have but then again i think this is where uh you can see where uh Frank Miller has some fun because you have Electra. She's extremely um, out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a little fun with her. I, wait, I love the way Ramita Jr. draws her with the giant hair. Mm-hmm. A lot this of is, this hair. is also like early 90s, still kind of coming off of that late 80s women it's with three of cans of hairspray in their oh, hair. Oh, yeah. Um, Huge amount of hair. So, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that. And so you can see how she toys with uh the emotions and i like how in midway story it goes to her feelings so it's actually talking from her perspective about the voices she hears in her head and why this won't work foggy's pretty good in this um too. and so you know their relationship she knows it's ending he does not and then again I think it had to have been fun to do the kingpin. So again, it's like really fun to have all of the characters in there that you're used to, and it just alludes to everything, right? Um, and I think the movie, I know the television series, does a good job kind of pulling in like the this part where he blows up the uh, the dock right here. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. in the first series. This is basically like the end all be all. Kind of Bible Daredevil moment, origin, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. This this was them doing like, what, like Man of Steel, kind of like, hey, right. let's let's redo this origin, kind of modernize so, it a little so, bit. So, um, yeah. Oh god, what the hell is the guy's? Why can't I think of his name now? John Reed. Uh, no, um, guy used to be, <laughs> guy used to be chief creative officer at at Marvel. Joe Casada. Um, quesadilla. Quesadilla. Yeah. So Joe uh had this theory I, he probably still believes it but he said a long time ago that he believes that every major character should have a book like this that should have some sort of a 
five to six issue trade paperback that's like the introductory thing that people could go in like a superman secret origin or uh-huh. or man without fear or whatever to pull and, them and in yeah just like a like that way if someone goes in like i want to start with fucking wolverine like here's the like this vo- is it you know secret origins wolverine or whatever i i, I kind of like that idea i kind of wish there was Something like that, just like like Aaron's like a Bible kind of thing for every character was like here is a starting point that doesn't necessarily have to take place in any period of time, you know. But you can kind of read this and go, that's who this character is. Yeah, yeah. I think it uh, alludes to his black costume, which I like, and I, I you do notice that Ramita he draws um, really good big. People, I don't know how yeah, to explain yeah, yeah. it. Like their the, shoulders, the art in here, especially when you get to like kick ass and stuff. The art in here, Beefy. you can, I can see that it Big is Ramita, but you can see he's also channeling Frank Miller as yeah. well. Him too, with yeah. This. It, oh yeah, it feels very. But it's dare like I say, an Dark Knight esque, right? Mm, yeah, especially I, Bat, especially Daredevil. There feels kind of Batman-y to me. I, Bigger, big, bulky Batman. To be honest, I think it's more of a homage. I oh did, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying like he's trying to copy it necessarily, no. but I think he's like okay, it right? Get I'm working with Frank Miller. Let's try to do something that's. So was I the only one that uh, first season of Daredevil in that last episode when he actually puts on the suit? I'm like. I kind of, I kind of like the black costume. Go back like, to that. I like the black costume, and <laughs> I, I, I will, ag- I, I will agree, but that's only because I, I don't think they nailed it. I think the Daredevil costume is amazing, but the one that they did for the show, I don't think. I think they missed. It wasn't impressive to me. I didn't yeah. care I for it. it. I think, I think it was fine, but you go that long. I think with I take the that Affleck way. costume almost over the one that they put. On the really? TV show, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, flex good. Like, I don't know. I, I think it was just it was underwhelming to me. That mm. costume was like, well, I think I'd... it's underwhelming in general. It's a red suit. I mean, yeah. it, it's got two D's on it. There's yeah, a, there's true. not much to it. So and then there's got a, th- a third this D down below. This story is pretty dick intriguing. Uh, the age thing, and you, I do ponder the. Um, God damn it! The storyline with like the sidekick, this necessity to have a younger. Sidekick, and I don't know if this is a Batman thing, but he runs across that little girl, um, mm-hmm. and he starts training her. Which again, now I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Right. Just some random little girl, and he's. Do we training get the stuff him. with Stick in here too? A little bit, yeah. With him as a kid, okay. Uh, so it's just these side thought chav reading. You're like, well, I, I get it, but that's a little questionable in today's yeah, sure. like, society. I'm, uh, like, well, and it's not questionable, but there's no background story. Like, he says, oh, she's lying about this. But then, yet, yeah, he keeps training her randomly dark. Yeah. Right. But then you see that it's, like, this weird need to have, like, a sidekick, though. Because she doesn't necessarily... I don't know. It just means me of Frank Miller and having, like, the little, you know... Anyways, but it was excellent. It's beautiful. I thought the storyline's great. It is a I nice. I read it just a couple years ago. I think it still holds up really oh, well. Oh yeah, no, it does. And uh, um, I think it's if you are trying to get into Daredevil, um, I think Daredevil. That's a good. It's, it's, oh, it's, 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 it's a perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the first Daredevil thing I read was Guardian Devil, and that was that felt very much same. kind of. It, yeah, but that's much more thrown into because there's a lot of characters that show up in that book. Oh yeah, oh like, no. Like this, yeah. you're much better off with this. <laughs> 
to like baby step in. Yeah, and I read it because I'd read Daredevil again as one of those characters like Thor, like we talked about earlier. Where he's a hit and miss the stuff guy. I read was like it's crossing over with some big event, so right. I got those particular issues. So very little Daredevil was read, but when you get stuff like this had come out, Guardian Devil, like I was a Kevin Smith fan, oh, I'm like, yeah. well, of course I'm gonna get this. Like Kevin Smith's writing Daredevil. I really yeah. like Daredevil, but I do like the um, legal aspects of it all. I just think it's it's an intriguing story. Daredevil's such a great character because he allows you all those different avenues. It can be a courtroom book. It can be very street level and very gritty. It can be oh the very almost detective like at times. Yeah. It's just a fun book, yeah. and I think they hit it home with the artwork. And well, God, was it the Bendis run where he was not even Daredevil most of that run? Yeah, because of the whole legality. Le- yeah, because the they figured out who was it. Daredevil and is he lying in court? Yeah, then? Bendis outed him. Yeah, yeah. everybody they had, gets outed. They had eventually. other people like running around as Daredevil right. as he was going to, to trial and everything. And it's Bendis like, no, fucked up see? everything in Daredevil's world so much, and then just handed it off to Brubaker. Was like, here you go, buddy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but I thought Baker pulled it off. Oh, no, he did. Oh, yeah. Like, he that, just, that's what I've heard. Like, usually the, the whole thing is kind of like, you know, when you're finishing up your comic book run, you kind of put the toys back in the toy box yeah. for nope. the next guy. Uh, ben just was like... A lot of times, though, no, I, go, I had this conversation with someone who I hadn't came walking in the store after years, and he's like, so I haven't been reading for forever. And I'm like, okay. Like, he's like, what's... I'm like, I don't, I'm not really reading... Marvel or DC because it's just the same old shit for me. They're right. just, they, it's the same story. They're just they're, it. they're tweaking things here and there. I'm like, and then you get people who like someone does an amazing run or or they like just do a ton of shit, and then when they hand it off to the next guy, it's up to the next guy to go. Hey, am I gonna try to continue what this guy just left me with, mm-hmm. or am I just gonna? Say, fuck do it. my Blow own thing because yeah. I mean, that's how Marvel and DC is. Yeah, they can just be like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm going to this no longer do my exists. Own thing. It is so done. yeah, that's why I've kind of moved on to like image. Sadarsky's Daredevil still continues to be pretty fucking <laughs> sweet. So. I just like Daredevil. It's kind of like how do you say? I know Wolverine is kind of more the emo, but. The Daredevil to me felt like, yeah, that's what it was. It reminded me of like the the emo side of uh, Marvel where yeah. it's a little bit darker. But I don't think those books stand out if you look at Marvel's true, you know, trajectory or it, the, it's these little ones that barely hang on. You Daredevil's know, like probably my fa- my Aquaman. second favorite Marvel character behind Spider-Man, I think. Really? I, I, I like Daredevil a lot. And, and I, I when I really start to think about it, I can't think of many characters that have as many great runs one after the another like Daredevil has had. You know what I mean? Like, usually it's like they have a couple good runs, but like when you think of like, yeah, the last 20 years of Daredevil, it's like, man, man, like we had we had the Guardian Devil stuff and then like then we had Bendis into Brubaker, then Mark Wayne, like, okay, Charles hey. Soule was different, but like now Zadarsky's doing his thing too. It's like, God, it's just like one right after yeah, yeah. Like, who, who, Who's going to pick up after Zadarsky? Yeah. Kylie read Hit Girl. So yes, I read Kick-Ass 2 prequel. Prelude, Hit Girl, which I believe, and I don't know if you remember how this, I believe Kick-Ass came out, Kick-Ass 2 came out, and then they did Hit Girl, which took place kind of in between. Is that what they did? I think that's what they did, but when they released them, like, technically this is the volume 2, even though it was the third series so that came out. So if you out. were to read a okay. for, like, logistics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're reading in chronological, it would be Hit this. Girl and then Kick-Ass yeah. 2. 
Okay, that's where... I, see, this stuff bugs me because it's like... I know why you go back. At the same time, though, it's like, god damn it. It makes it hard to organize them. It's like when you're <laughs> supposed to watch... You know when you watch all the Marvel movies in order? Right. And they all like... I noticed Disney has it in chronological. Yeah. They have a, they have a thing going, okay, if you want to watch this... So Captain oh, America's first, I, Captain Marvel's next. I wonder if that would work to watch them that way. Probably not. I, I think with the end credits things, I don't think so. Oh yeah, the way I mean, that sets up. If you up watch the Captain Marvel thing. second, then the the that end credit thing setting up for Endgame, and you're like, what the fuck yeah. was that? So what happened in this? So if Did anyone you ever see is, is anyone familiar no. with Kick Ass? Do you You've think, never really? seen it? No. Oh wow. Do you think oh. you could do Star Wars that way if someone had never seen them? Do you think you could start with Phantom Menace? I know a lot people, of people that have. have. Really? Oh, okay. yeah. And I, go in blindly. Like I that? would. I don't think I'd. If I ever had children, I don't because, think I would okay, do it that way. So here's the thing. I mean, is I that, just skip the prequels. All yeah, yeah. Here's the thing with, with Star Wars thing. It's very much in the know that Darth Vader, like, you know everything that happens in four, five, and six. Yeah. Right. Darth Vader is his dad. You and Han Solo. You don't need to, like, there's no surprise with those. So you can start with one and just right. go. Hmm. It's true. I don't like one, but no, you should I really like watch kiss, kiss it, kiss ass, kiss, kiss ass. ass. <laughs> kiss ass. <laughs> you should really like watch that. this movie. Uh, it was really just good. a superhero who just like sucks kiss up to every girl about to fight. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so this picks up where Kick-Ass left off. They now everyone, every kid wants to be a superhero, so they're out there. But because Kick-Ass, you know, fucks some things up. The mob are out there trying to find him and and hit girl. So they're going to. It starts out with them beating um, the Silver Beetle is is this guy's name. They're just beating the shit out of him, wanting to know where Kickass oh, is. And he he's like, like, I don't. Kick-ass. He's like, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never met him. I I like what he did. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people. And they end up killing the kid. They just put a bullet in his head. And it's like, okay, let's move on to the next one. Um. So you got uh, Hit Girl is now um living with um the police officer mm-hmm. that, that who's now with the her mother um the mother's traumatized by you know she's she's just uh, hanging on a thread basically right. she's she's just been through a lot of shit um the cop because he is a cop knows that hit girl is who hit she girl. is mm-hmm. and you're not doing this shit anymore your mother wouldn't you know if your mother found out she, it just sent her to the loony bin basically so this you know if i was going to complain about anything with with this art is how he draws her she just looks like this little she just has this big head and this little body yeah but as you read it there's a lot of mentions when she's running around and she's in her mask and stuff they're like they don't believe it's a little girl. They think it's a midget. So they eat. They throughout this whole series, they just keep calling her a midget. And like near the end, she's like, "What's up with this midget stuff?" Okay. And I'm like, "Okay, maybe that's how he why he was drawing her this way because she does kind of look like a little person." <laughs> um, she almost looks like in that panel there that you were pointing to before. She almost looks like a toy. Like a, yeah. Oh no, and like like, like a. Like a, I don't know what what's the little girl's name. Like back in the day, you see the commercials. Like you get Barbie and then you get like her niece or something. That comes oh, yeah. like, like that's yeah. Scooter, right? Sco- Scooter. That what was the GoBots. Oh, Scooter. Barbie's Scal- niece. Was it Scout? It's fucking Scooter. Chelsea? No, I Chelsea swear. Chelsea sounds right. <laughs> I thought um, it was Scout. It was something different. Um, than what but anyways, got. like it looks like a toy, like a little girl doll that like with the big head. And yeah. Little body. Um. So what's going on here is. 
Hit Girl's still being Hit Girl. She's she's basically you find out she's drugging the parents with uh, with roofies and going out <laughs> like you do. Like oh. you do. Um, and she's training she's training um, kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, she decides she's going to train him because she she's now she's living a real life. You know, she's not with her crazy dad living the Batman and Robin lifestyle mm-hmm. anymore. She has to go to school. She doesn't fit in at school. This is not how she was raised to right. deal with people and other children. So she makes a deal with Kick-Ass, like, I'll train you if you help me be a kid. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just want to be a normal kid. I want to fit in with people Show at me school. How to be a kid. Yeah. But again, she's still going out and doing her awesome stuff um and then the big bad guy that's in prison who is basically running everything from prison he's basically like kingpin in prison he's still running shit Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter that he's behind bars he's still he's still running stuff and he's out there they're trying to track these kids down and kill them um and then you've got the motherfucker which is not his name in the comic book um um, but he decides because he's the son of the the rich mafia guy mm-hmm. who gets off in the first one. He has, just has tons of money. He decides he's going to be a supervillain. He fucks up his first run as a supervillain, uh, kills a store owner, and then gets his ass kicked by the kids. And they're like, if the cops that arrested him wasn't weren't on the payroll, he'd be in prison. So they basically just give him a shitload of money and like, you need to just go travel the world. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do. I'm going to do the Bruce Wayne thing. I'm going to go and travel and train oh, and I, I'm going to come back and, and get kick ass. Right. And his story arc through this is he, he I, he's like in Asia somewhere and they're training him, Quote, unquote. but they're just milking him for money. Mm-hmm. Cause they know he's just, he's just a wallet. Right. They're like you need your test today is this, and it's going to cost you $5,000 <laughs> and they're just, yeah. you know, yeah. making money off him. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they train up. They do their fun stuff. Um, it gets to the point where the stepdad, I guess, is what it would be. Um, he's he's kind of wise to what's going on. He, he gets a he gets the wife gets a threatening note in the mail with three bullets. And it has like it says like Papa Bear, Mama Bear and Baby Bear basically saying you you you. Be be like all the other cops. Get on the payroll. Get in. Get with the program, or we're going to kill your family. But of course, the wife intercepts this letter, and she freaks out because, like, you know, oh my god, they're going to kill us. Um, uh, Mindy, who is Hit Girl, she's trying to become friends with these girls at school. There's one. There's just a, just a bitch who just will yeah, not that's it. will not uh so she's like no i'm gonna do this i'm gonna learn all this stuff i'm gonna watch the kardashians i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna fit in and i'm gonna be part of the group this girl will not let her do it to the point where she's like okay fuck this she walks into the bathroom where she's at tasers her yeah right here ties her up on the yeah right ties her up and it's like okay you know what i've i've tried to do this and you're just a bitch and and this is what's going to happen. And she she unties her, but there's like a garbage truck that comes by just the right time. And she's like, okay, the next time we do this, I'm going to be a little earlier and that truck's not going to be there. So 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe tomorrow we're going to sit together during lunch. We're going to do this because right. this is horse shit. <laughs> and, oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> And um, then, yeah. You're gonna be nice to me. And we're gonna sit yeah, together for lunch because really I want to be normal. It, it is, yeah. It's yeah, really like good. A, the coloring's I, really so decent. Yeah, the, the coloring really sticks out. Too. Um, but Hit, uh, Hit Girl has to go take out this big drug thing that her and Kickass were gonna do. Mm-hmm. But he, in the last night out that they had done, he hit somebody and just fuck broke his hand, like broke a bunch of fingers and broke his hand. So he's in a cast, and he's like, I can't, I can't do this. She's like, we need to, we need to keep hitting these guys. Mm-hmm. So she decides she's going to go take out this drug cartel by herself, and she kind of gets into it a little bit. But it's it's hit girl. She's a badass. So she gets out, but her stepdad, mm-hmm. who's been working, you know, swing shifts, she doesn't have to drug him, and he she can go out because he's working. But he happens to, because of this threat. He's like, fuck it, we're going to go take this drug thing out mm-hmm. while she's there taking it out. Um, she basically kills everybody, blows it up. One, The one survivor um, is telling the cop, her stepdad, mm-hmm. you know, he's describing this girl, and he's like, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And it's this big, huge race, like, she's trying to get home before him, because he's like, nope, she's, you know, and but she makes it. She's in bed, and he, she pulls this whole, no, I was just, I was sleeping. Is it is it time to get up for school? And he's like... Oh uh-huh. bullshit! No, no, I know what you've been doing. All these right. bodies I've been finding—it's you. You're, you know, you're a psycho. Can't let your mom find out. Um, and then, then the the guy from the big bad guy from prison finally says, "Okay, we need to go kill this cop and his family. We need to take care of mm-hmm. them." And she, they come to the house. Right, she she has just drugged the parents because she's gonna go do like one last big thing and and. Uh, yeah, she's they, slowly taking them out. They, they come to kill the family, and right in the middle of it all, the, the parents just pass out from the roofies, and she's like, okay, and she just fucking kills everybody. Mm-hmm. And then she sees a vision of her dad and says, okay, what you need to do is like what they did in The Godfather. You need to just go kill everybody now. Go go and kill all these, because she's had these plans to take out all the, the big main bad guys, mm-hmm. the head of this stuff. But she's kind of been doing it slowly, and she has a different way to kill each of them in their own special way. And the dad comes to him, he's like, "This is your only chance. Like, they're he's just going to send more people. You need mm-hmm. to go now, mm-hmm. and you need to kill them all." And she just goes through the city, kills them all, ends up sneaking into the prison, kills the big bad guy at the end. And, That's badass. Oh yeah. Oh no, kick ass. She uses the bullets. She she brings the bullets, the mm-hmm. mama bear, papa bear, and that's what she uses. She's oh, like, "Fuck shit. you." It's good. Kickass is good. Kickass is, and it's. Uh, I don't know if we. There's a. It's pretty graphic. Like the what I was talking about the. Uh, um, when they come to kill the family, um, she at one point there's one guy that's still left alive. Like she kills the guy with the rolling pin, shoves Ooh. it in his mouth. <laughs> at one point she stops. The one guy is bleeding to death. She's like this isn't the way I want you to die. Hold on. She goes and puts a coat on to cover the blood up, goes across the street, borrows a sledgehammer from the neighbors and just bashes this oh, guy's <laughs> fucking face in. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's awesome. It's psychotic. It's awesome. It's fun. What? It's, it's kick-ass. If you've, if you've never seen the movies, check them out. They're fun. Check out the work of John Romita Jr. He's got plenty of it out there. There's more than one movie? They did two. They were going to do three. They never got around to doing the third one. Um, Before we pick the next comic creator's name, we're going to do some weekly picks. Mary? Yeah. Tell people what they should be checking out this week. I watched an anime. Did you? (gasps) No. 
It's called Link, Link Click. Uh, is it based on something? Now we just look like assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's time travel. No. But with photos. And you only get 12 hours in the photo. Okay. Oh, yeah. so you can like time travel to that specific point in yep, time? Yeah, and you can only use the photo one time. They did oh, a, I like that. They did a, a Red Dwarf episode kind of like that. They, I could, like they that. could step into the photos and... Yeah, and so it's um, um, two main characters. I'm terrible at remembering names. Um, it's a black-haired kid and a white-haired kid. I don't remember their names. Um, Jin and Ryu. I don't think that's what they were. Um, <laughs> Chen Wasana. Because the... The... <laughs> The language was not Japanese, it was Mandarin. Oh. Very different. Um, anyways, um, they have powers that they... Time uh, powers? They, like, high-five, and one of them can go back in time, and the other one knows what is going to happen in the 12 hours, and they kind of run this business where somebody will come in with a request um, and be like, hey... Uh, so, like, the first episode is like, hey, um, I want to take down this boss guy that's been um uh what's the money like in laundering laundering money something like that uh doing bad things with the money in the company and so um they go back and they take over this lady it, you take over whoever takes the picture so she took a picture and they uh he took over the body of her for 12 hours um finds evidence of this um money laundering um to get him into trouble um, stuff happens and throughout um, this stuff. whole thing is like the other character is saying like you know make sure you don't do anything differently because if you mess something up it's going to mess up our future don't step well, on the butterfly yep don't do anything differently so well this guy we find out he sends a text message to the girl's mom and it starts this whole chain of events of things and then the last episode just a total I, my mind was blown I wasn't expecting this to happen at all um, but yeah if you like time travel how, how many episodes is it it is 11 episodes that's not bad only 11 and it's, that's it that's it it's contained it's in contained okay. um, they might continue to do more but you never know what when they but this yeah. particular storyline if they don't continue then it's like uh, we're we're done, and it's your mind is just blown, and, and you're like, can, I where want can more. This be watched. Um, I watched it on Funimation. I don't know where else to watch it. It might be on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a dub, as far as I but know. But they're merging anyways sub. now, right? Yeah, Crunchyroll is, is is it a pay thing? Do you have to pay for this? Um, Funimation, yeah, right. No, actually, um, you can have a free one, but you have to watch ads, I believe. Oh, so you're not. I can deal with that shit. So, I remember Crunchyroll having the free one, but it was so many ads, it wasn't even worth it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, they're going to merge. I don't know when that's yeah, going to happen. Funimation but it's only like Crunchyroll. It's okay. only like six or seven bucks for Funimation. Funimation? Okay. So, I guess if you watch hey, a lot of anime, that's worth it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, Kyle, I don't know which what to choose. Uh, it did see Mark Marin, but I've already done mm-hmm. his before. I would say um, I've been thinking about uh, I rewatch Rider, Riders for Justice. 
It has Mads Mikkelsen's in it. That's I got it right. Hannibal. Justice Writers. No, it's Writers for Justice. Um, and Mad Mickelson is the guy who plays Hannibal in the new Hannibal. He's really good. And Justice Writers sounds like a cartoon I would have watched. Justice Writers. It Justice Writers. This was her pick. Uh, Did I already three, pick this? Four months when we watched it the first time. Oh, I just I mm-hmm. watch it with my mom again, and her and me like to debate uh-huh. everything, and um, it's uh, very strange unique me the dvd's coming out there we go there's a reason i need it right. um yeah. uh but it was it's and all it's about dutch is it dutch so. dutch because he's he is danish i think and it was just about you didn't think they could pull it off off but it's about the most dysfunctional individuals coming together to get revenge which they think they're getting revenge on uh the death of this individual, Mad Mickelson's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, big accident, horrifying, she dies. And it's all about the connections of effect. And it's really interesting where one thing causes and leads to another, which leads to another. And there's a statistician who's one of the, he's a stats, does all the math. And these people are so dysfunctional. And everything that just happens is um, beautiful, um, uncomfortable because of how personal it is. You know, you have talks about abuse and the long-term effects. You have someone who's more with PTSD. You have an individual who's overweight and always been tortured, so he just wants to play the French horn. You have someone who... Um, was drinking and his daughter dies. I mean, you have all of these individuals and you think the movie's going to be like this train wreck, but they pull it together so beautifully and it's so... It it was definitely one of those movies that when we watched the trailer, you you thought you were going to be watching a totally different movie. So Mm -hmm. when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, this isn't anything like what I was expecting. Um, I like when they can pull that off. In the beginning, it's just... It's just beautiful. I don't know. This movie is really touching, and it was heartfelt, and it had a lot of violence in it at the same time, which is pretty awesome. Lots of guns. Um, But I'm telling you, Nicholson can be a badass. Oh, he is. He is a Netflix. Oh my god, Polar too. He is a silver fox, my friends. He is something else. So he is the best Hannibal there has been ever out of all of them. He is, he is amazing. Okay. Uh, my pick is Free Guy. Oh, that was fun. The new Ryan Reynolds film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was very fun. You I, liked it? It's nothing to like write home it looked, about. It looked really fun. But it's though. fun. Oh, I mean, it was a blast. It's enjoyable. It's I want to watch it because YouTubers are in it for there's, just small oh, okay. bits snippets. See, that's but I want to see stuff I wouldn't have caught. But there's, there was, there's some voices that like... Or early on in the in the movie, I'm like, is that that sounds like The Rock? Is that The Rock? And then when I'm looking, I'm like, Hugh Jackman has a voice, The Rock. Yeah, there's, there's a just lot a lot of... of people that like, hey, we have all these characters that have lines, but they're wearing masks. So why don't yeah. we call in some favors and get some famous yeah. people to do this stuff? And there's a there's a cameo near the end that was pretty. Amazing. Oh, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, but it's it's fun. It's it's an enjoyable. And Ryan Reynolds, show. Is just of course, Ryan Reynolds, ultimately likable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was hilarious. Everything about it was. I don't know. Maybe it's just nice to have a movie like it was that. Fun. And it was just a. 
like sweet the yeah the, the the friendship that he has with his his little security guard friend is was really kind of touching at the end and and i yeah i i guess maybe it's like there was it wasn't overkill on what you thought they were going to overkill right like the idea of someone you know in the video game i loved it when they're like I never noticed the background guys before, but they can't find anybody to like murder and kill <laughs> because right. everybody's gone. But it was really interesting that what they played up wasn't what you may have expected. And I enjoyed that part. And I liked, I mean, they needed to do a movie like this because it's freaking hilarious. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, they're pretty a clever job. idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, and since it's Fox is now owned by, by oh, Disney, right. they, they, they could play with some toys in this. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah, it, it and was it fun. was good, toys. Right um, well, first off, my pick is obviously the COVID-19 vaccine. Get your goddamn vaccine. Um, Are you writing out there, answer? You, specifically you out there listening to this that has not been vaccinated. You know who you um, are. But uh, <laughs> my other pick is the second episode yep. of Marvel's What If on Disney+. Plus. Um, I, I enjoyed the first episode quite a bit, and we talked about it last week, and... Mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I had a few complaints that I felt like there was a lot of stuff jammed into that first episode. I felt like it was very overstuffed at times, um, but still really enjoyed the animation, really enjoyed the voice acting and stuff. This second episode, man, was so fun. I didn't feel like it was rushed at all. I didn't feel like it was crammed at all. Um, a little bit of uh, rose-tinted glasses with Chadwick Boseman, maybe, because you know that this is you know, the last time you're ever going to hear him play T'Challa at all. I've heard um, that he pops up in a few more episodes. Okay, I, but I, I hope that's the case. Yeah. That'd be um, nice, but if not, this was This was great. Wonderful. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, this episode is what if T'Challa became Star-Lord, basically. <laughs> and there's so much, this show had so this episode had some great action in it, some great humor. The animation was fantastic again. Um, was it the same? Uh, was it the same animation? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering it, it looked, if it's it looked all the same. To me. I didn't know if they were this one change. had uh, because it wasn't a period piece and stuff. I feel like like last week's episode they kind of tried to like dull it down like they do in mm. some period. Like because the this colors. one was in outer space, this one I felt had more kind of eye popping yeah. sort of colors going on. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at them side by side. That's just like what my memory is yeah. telling me. Um, the, yeah, this I, one was a lot of fun. It was a space, a cosmic like, kind of thing. The so. other versions of some of these characters, like Nebula was awesome here. The version of Thanos in here is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. the, this whole running joke about, like, dude, that sounds like genocide. No, 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 no. Just hear me out. Like, <laughs> I had a plan. Like, they still um, need to... They need to... I know that this is already done, but they need to clean up their dubbing if they're going to continue animation, things like that. I like how Nebula called him Cha-Cha. The mouth's not matching up. Um, There was a lot of... They're not not perfect. Um, Uh, Almost everybody came back to do voices. Yeah, Josh Brolin is Thanos. Um, You got Karen Gillan as The uh, one I was surprised about was... Chadwick Boseman, obviously. Um, Yondu... As is the same, yeah. I think pretty much all of them were. Um, Drax it, was not Drax. Oh, I was gonna say, was that Batista? No, no. Okay. Uh, and but I thought it. You know, there was a point it where I'm like, oh, close. It, yeah. And then, it, but the collector. Yeah, the collector. That was him. Okay, that didn't and I didn't like think it sounded like him at all. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, Seth Green was that, Howard that's, the Duck. That's yeah. what I Seth thought Green about. Howard the Duck I think again. I talked about this last week. That's what I thought about Sebastian Stan and Bucky in the first episode. Yeah. I know that was him. It but did it not sound, sound like, like him. him. Yeah. Yep. The Howard the Duck thing was Howard hilarious. Was I wish we could have had more time. I, I, I was kind of hoping, like, when they, like, started going, I was like, oh, is he just going to pal around the rest of the episode? And they're like, yeah. oh, no, yeah. I guess not. Um, Damn. How it ended... I wanted more when it how it how it ended. I was like, oh my god, Kurt Russell came back and did his right. voice. Uh, that was not um, Chris Pratt doing right. Peter, but like when I heard he Kurt had, Russell, like, two I'm like lines, that's too good to you know. Right. There's no Kurt Russell impersonator. That, I you don't know. know if they would. I mean, there probably is, but they could continue it. But basically, oh, but it was yeah. The, I'm like, they oh. said the, that the they, ending yeah. was very satisfactory. Though. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, but it was. But it was one like I want to. I want to keep this. I want to keep going. I could have a whole show just in this universe. Oh yeah. Of just T'Challa in space. I mean, he did. He. It was pretty. It was the magnificent difference of like. If you're gonna change something, like this one person changes everybody, and they're all like, "Was T'Chaka the same?" Yep. I like um, the guy fangirling uh, over. Uh, oh my I can god, never the character's the name, but the girl from uh, Walking Dead, Michonne. She she was in there. Oh her, really? Yeah. At oh the end, god. I was like, "Oh my god." She was. She's like the head of the the badass guards. Oh, cool. Okoye. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okoye. Yeah. And then you have the fanboy, which was awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he was like, yeah, it's like Star Lord. It's exactly what Star Lord would do. <laughs> He's like, that's so Star Lord. <laughs> but for me, the one that kept getting me was was Thanos again. Even yeah, especially at the end when he was like talking, like it kind of sounds like genocide. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's <laughs> random. Yeah. Oh. I I enjoyed it. I thought it, it was yeah, really they did good. really good with it. And I, at first, I was like, that sounds like Josh Brolin, but like. That there's probably guys out there that could do Josh Brolin, but uh, oh, I thought yeah. it sounded just like Thanos from and the, then the it, movies. It did, like, no, yeah. but I, I just I just assumed that like they probably have somebody, you know. And I was like, I was impressed. I was like, no, it yeah. Came I, pull, back. I pulled up the thing and I was like, the collector was the one where I'm like, okay, who did this voice? And I'm like, oh no, that was Benicio. And it didn't have okay, that, the... and then Drax, I thought. There was when it started out. I'm like, that doesn't sound like him. But then mm. there were certain words. I'm like, oh, maybe it is him. And then I'm like, oh no, oh. It, it wasn't. But that it was, was Benicio del Toro. I just wish he had. Howard that, the Duck uh, was the one that we're like, God, who is that? And when we pull, like, oh, Seth Green, goddammit. it. Well, he did. That just makes so. He much did the sense. voice in the, in the Guardians. Right. Yeah. Okay. The one, the one line that the, he had yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end. Yeah. But it just it made too much sense. Yeah. It was great. How many episodes is one well, now? Nine, I believe. I think it's supposed to be, be nine, yeah. Okay. I think it was but, supposed to be ten, but then COVID kind of fucked things up, so it's nine. But uh, from what I understand, they're doing this one on kind of like a weird... like We got two episodes back-to-back, but now I think they're going to be like every two weeks or something like oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. For, oh. I was reading a thing that's like they're not going to be... Because it goes from like now to like October... Hmm. I think so. It's like every two weeks, I think we get a Interesting. new one. I know next week is Loki, a Loki episode. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. Interesting. It was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. It, again, it was... I know we're getting a Marvel Zombies one, which I'm kind of looking forward to. That'll be fun. Sure. Again, really enjoyed the first episode. This one, for me, was the one that I was like, okay. Yeah. This is, this is going to be a fun ride. Um, Kylie. Oh, shit. It is your turn to do the honors to pick next month's Creator Focus episode. Is there any spiders in there? I'm looking for spiders. (laughs) Come on, Grant Morrison. Do I have one? Okay, I got one. We're doing... Oh, shit, guys. We're doing Joe Hill. 
Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'll do the notes. I'll do the notes. <laughs> Mary's back, baby. I bet you she reads something next month. I'll do the notes. <laughs> I will read stuff. Yeah, I'll just show up with Lockie. I'll read like three things. Oh no, I'm I'm doing that. I read Basketful of Heads. I'll talk about that. Oh, there you go. I'm that was that was a lot of fun. The cape. I don't know. Oh, there you go. I'll read the cape. I'll read the cape. 19, <laughs> uh, 1984. I'll read. I'll read lock and key. I'll read. I'll read like five things. <laughs> He's She'll my be so ready. I'll read like five things, even though I could only name three. <laughs> it's so excited. They all came at a rush. Yeah, Joe Hill. I, I'll talk all um, about lock and key again. What's the other one he did? For his Joe Hill DC, like the plunge, the plunge, yeah, maybe, maybe and then we'll... he also did that uh, dying is easy, the IDW, the comedian, oh yeah, the one. comedian one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so there's there's there, plenty to choose oh, there's, from. There's it doesn't plenty. have to be just lock and key people. No, no. I'm looking but, at you, but, Mary. But uh, this may be a good opportunity to pluck one of them side story lock and key too. Oh, there you go, yeah, small to maybe, world to maybe or something. Talk about yeah. one of those as well. So I'm gonna start reading. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> She has more than a month. I'm going to start reading tomorrow. There's so <laughs> I'm going to reread Lock and Key again. And get uh, your um, notes ready. So many notes. All right. Well, All right. there you go. Next month is Joe Hill. Uh, next week is uh, Kylie's pick as well for oh, Comic yeah. Club, which is Superman Earth One by J. Michael Straczynski and Shane Davis. That's a that's a book I'm pretty fond of, so I'm excited to talk about that next week. It's been yeah. it's probably been a, a couple years since I've it's been a while since that I've one, read so, that. Yeah. So, but that's one I've read probably four or five times. So it's it, it's good. It's so. it's a good book. We'll be doing that next week. Joe Hill next month. Until next week, you guys. My name is Tyler. I'm Mary. I'm Aaron. I'm Kylie. Fuck you, Charles. Yeah. Fuck Comic Skate. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs>